Thank you for tuning in to Locked On Mariners, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Here's your host, D.C. Lundberg. Word of warning, gang, I might be a little bit more incoherent than usual today. It is currently uh, 10.42 p.m. Friday night, and I'm a bit tired. In fact, I think I checked out about 3.30 this afternoon while I was still at work. Ask any of the kids in my room today. They'll tell you that I was a little bit out of it. In any case, this is Locked On Mariners, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, of course, brought to you by Rock Auto. Please remember to download, rate, and subscribe to this program on Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, or whichever podcasting app that you personally care to use. Ask your smart device to play Locked on Mariners Podcast or any of the other programs here on TLOPN or TLOPN, of course. Follow this program on Twitter at LO underscore Mariners. Follow me on Twitter at DC underscore Lundberg, L-U-N-D-B-E-R-G, if you are scoring at home. A conversation... Uh, with our guests today, uh, led to this episode, talking about a former Mariner who was something of a fan favorite during his brief stay in Seattle, whose Major League debut was, you know, pretty widely anticipated. Not as anticipated as Evan White's first game or something like that, but there was a buzz around the city of Seattle at the time, very much unlike the buzz at Minute Maid Park the last couple seasons. I was at this man's Major League debut, and I am referring to outfielder Chris Snelling. Here with me to talk about Mr. Snelling is the host of Locked on Angels, Taylor Blake Ward. Taylor, welcome uh, back to the show. I'm really excited to talk about Chris Snelling, among other people. I I mean, the reason we brought up Chris Snelling is kind of fun and random for absolutely no reason, and I want to touch on a few things beyond that, but yeah, no, thanks for having me on, DC. I'm really excited about this, and... uh, you know, as you're listening and you're listening to Lockdown Angels and wondering, hey, what's with the Lockdown Mariners deal? Uh, we're doing a crossover episode, a little bit different. So um, we're going to have DC host. DC, thanks for hosting and working with the Lockdown Mariners. Love listening to Lockdown Mariners. Love being on. And uh, for the Lockdown Angels listeners, DC's a regular now. Uh, we're excited to have you on, essentially, uh, even if you're playing host for us. So thanks, DC. I very much appreciate it. Thank you very much. I want to talk about uh, Chris Snelling's Major League debut a little bit and kind of what led up to it. First of all, he is an Australian. He was born in Miami, Florida, however, North Miami, Florida. I think his parents may have been on vacation in the United States at the time. Um, he holds dual citizenship, so and he was signed as an amateur free agent out of Australia in 19. 19- 99. I actually remember his Major League debut quite well. That was when I still had a thing for the Baltimore Orioles. And his first game was against Baltimore in Seattle. And I actually remember the bus trip down to Safeco Field at the time with uh, my friends, Lewis and Jeremy. And we were talking about it. And the back of the bus was kind of talking about it, too. And what I remember about Chris Snelling, most of all, uh, Taylor is the way he played the game, and that's probably why his career was so short, because he wasn't a very durable player, but he played his heart out, not unlike Ben Gamble does these days, diving for balls in the outfield, just an all-out style of play. Pete Reeser is a good example of uh, of a guy who played all out, whose career was kind of hampered by injuries. You know, my Chris Snelling story is going to be totally different. I I vaguely remember Chris Snelling as a ball player. I mean, I really vaguely remember him. Um, Right. I remember on video games, I would always trade for him, and I'll explain the reason why after, but, you know, I always trade for him, and I'm like, hey, why isn't this guy hitting, like, 40 home runs for my video game team or whatever the hell it is? And, no, I mean, I, I love Chris Snelling, but it's for a totally obscure reason beyond what 
what you're saying. So I'm mm-hmm. all for hearing about his debut and hearing about his career. Uh, well, his debut was really nothing to speak about. He went 0-3, started in left field, batted second. I think I might have been at his second game as well. I don't remember that one too vividly. He played right field that day. He went um, he went 0-3 again, but he did have a walk. He did have a walk, and the Mariners trivia question will pertain to his first major league hit and home run, so I won't reveal that information. And in his eighth game that season, he was going to be a starter. He was going to be a starter for the Mariners because they needed somebody to play outfield for a while. He wound up getting injured in the second inning of his eighth game quite badly, and that was his last game of 2002, and he didn't see the majors again until 2004. As I said, he was an Australian. The walk-up music they chose for him was a little ditty called Down Under by Men at Work. I vaguely, very vaguely (laughs) right now. Very incredibly vaguely. Yeah. Anyways, uh, what is your Chris Snelling story? Please uh, please share. So I was, uh, he was, I'm trying to figure out if he was rehabbing or if he was on assignment. He was actually on assignment. Um, So he was going through development in 2001 as a 19-year-old here in San Bernardino, which is not that far from where I grew up. And uh, he just happened to be the first guy that ever signed a baseball for me. I never had a, a signed baseball in my life. Um, I snagged a, a foul ball. I was 10, 9, 10 years old, something like that. And uh, after the game, my dad took me over, and one of the ball players was walking by, and he's like, hey, do you mind signing a ball for my son? You know, just the typical, you know, kind of whatever it is. And uh, the guy was like, yeah, sure. And we chatted with him for about 10 minutes and realized that he was just this nice kid and all these things and he wasn't all that older than I was which is weird to say because of how young I was but sure enough it was Chris Snelling so I still have that signed baseball and uh, Chris Snelling was the first signed baseball I ever got that is that's a good one to have actually and I have to correct something after the two the eight games in 2002 ladies and gentlemen he didn't appear in another major league game until 2005 that's how long it took for him to get back that's a fantastic story, Taylor. I don't have a signed baseball, actually. Well, I have a Joey Cora ball, but I was not there to get it. I don't have that many. I really don't. I mean, yeah. you know, growing up, it wasn't a big deal to me to have someone's autograph. And then you get into the business and, and you start asking, you know, you, you never ask for an autograph. You never ask for anything other than an interview. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it's uh, I don't have I have a, a Ken Griffey senior one that was uh when I was working in the minor leagues, I he, we ran across each other, and he said something, and I said, "Do you know?" I said, "My dad's a big fan of yours," and he said, uh, "Well, have your dad come down." And my dad came down to the ballpark the next night. He was with Bakersfield, I want to say, with the Reds at the time, something along those lines. And um, that sounds right. He, yeah, he signed a ball for my dad, and um, you know, I ended up I, it's on my shelf somewhere <laughs> around there, and uh, I have a um, oh. Renteria, what was rent? Not um, Edgar, no, 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 Edgar or no, 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 sorry, no, 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 not Renteria. It was Eli Marrero. Oh, I have, okay. I have an Eli. I loved Eli Marrero so much that I asked him for an autographed baseball when I was working in minor league baseball. I loved Eli Marrero, so I think those are collectively like the three signed baseballs that I have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I have one from Brad Miller, but it, it's it has a. Uh, some excess comments on it because Brad and I go back and uh, <laughs> it's, nothing we you know, can mention Brad, on the show. It's nothing brutal, but uh, yeah. yeah, no, Brad's uh, is a little more personalized and um, <laughs> yeah, maybe not on this show. <laughs> All right, I have the Joey Corabal. I've only gotten one autograph from anybody in person, and it was the back of the ticket stub. The Mariners used to have players on the dugout 
before games where you could line up and get their autograph, and I only have one, and it's Jamie Moyer. Oh, that's a good one. What struck me about Moyer is that he's not a large human being. He's about my height, obviously in much better shape than I've ever been, but I was like, man, this guy's my size, and he's pitching in the big leagues, and I thought that took me aback a little bit, and I was probably in my mid-20s. Um, I never really outgrew uh, hero worship, as it were. <laughs> I, I don't know. So, Jamie Moyer has two sons. He, he might have more. I only know of two of them. Hutton Moyer was in the Angels farm system, and Dylan was in the uh, Dodgers farm system. I think he he had a short stint with the Mariners farm system, like at the end of his career. Um, but I saw Dylan, God, a month ago. I mean, oh, really? I see Dylan around every now and then, and really? uh, I I've, I've seen Jamie around. It's not like a I, I've. I haven't seen him in a, in a one-on-one personal perspective, but Dylan, I've seen in a personal perspective. Uh, you know, it was probably longer than a month ago, but yeah, I've seen Dylan recently. Very cool. I want to get back to a player you mentioned because you said you really like this guy, and from afar, I admired this guy's career too. That's Eli Marrero. Oh, I loved Eli Marrero, man. He was. Uh, I don't know why. I just he was a guy that I just really liked, and I, I'm trying to figure out the reason why. It must have been something to do with like a when he was with uh, St. Louis and maybe visiting Dodger or something. But I just mm-hmm. I loved him, and I mean I, he didn't have a long career. He what didn't have a great career, but I loved him. I can tell you exactly why I admired this guy as I did. It's because he was a catcher who could basically play all over the field. I've always valued versatility. And he actually did have a 10-year big league career. He stuck around for a while because of that. He has a 243 career average, which for a backup catcher, you're going to take any day of the week. He never played more than 131 games in the season. And he played one, two, three, four, five different positions for the Cardinals that year. It was 2002. And he could hit a little bit when he was in his prime. He was generally around the 260s when he was in his 20s. And then, of course, that dropped off. But... Elia Marrero was kind of reminded me in a way of Joe McEwing, only Joe McEwing couldn't catch. So Eli was uh, Eli was with Bakersfield. There you and go. I think it was I think it was Ken Griffey Senior and Eli Marrero. I think it was that day. Oh and, wow! And and I talked to Eli. I talked to Ken because um, you got to chat with the uh, opposing manager with the media and everything, kind of get the lineups and everything construed. Yeah. And I was talking to Eli, and that's when I was talking to him, saying, "Hey, man, you know." I loved watching your career. I was a big fan of all these things. And I said, you know, I, I don't know if this is weird, but can you sign this baseball for me? He was stoked. He oh, was really? like, he was, well, <laughs> he was like, oh God, this guy knows who I am. And it's like, you know, and after that game, our scorekeeper made some kind of mistake. And Eli, after the game came to me, you mother son of a, you know, and I'm just like, oh, oh, crap. and then the next day he's apologizing to me. I'm like, it's good. You're cool, man. Like it's all good. But so it's like Eli turned the switch, man. It was so quick, but I still love Eli, man. He, he is so cool. He is awesome. That's, that's good to hear. We're running up on a break. I will pose the Mariners trivia question. And if you want to cut this out of your program, that's fine, but no, I'm all for it. Let's do it. This let's... is a uh, trivia is all about it. And I want to get it right. I don't think I've gotten one wrong yet. That's the thing. I was going to say, you usually get these right. This one's a little obscure. It is today. Who off whom did Chris Snelling collect his first major league hit? I know the answer. I know it. I yes. know it. Tell me the answer after this word from Rock Auto, would you please? 
Absolutely. All right. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it is now impossible to stock all the parts that you need in a traditional chain storefront. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the counterperson orders the parts on his computer, choosing only the brand that his warehouse carries? Why would you choose to spend 30%, 50%, 100% more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or dealership? They have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. However, rockauto.com's prices are for everybody, and they are reliably low. They also do not require membership or account login. Taylor, you are a rockauto.com user and have been since before they became a sponsor. I have been. I love Rock Auto. I have used Rock Auto for, gosh, 10 years at least. And uh, they've got, literally, they have parts for everything. From, uh, you know, from a Subaru that I've driven uh, to my wife's Camry, all the way up to, I've looked this up, they have Ferrari transmissions. <laughs> I mean, they have the works. I absolutely love Rock Auto, so check them out. RockAuto.com, all the parts your car will ever need. Absolutely. And remember to write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that Taylor and I sent you. What kind of Subaru uh, did your wife have? I'm curious. I drive a Subaru. I, that's why I ask. I've had two Foresters. Uh, my Ooh. wife drives a Camry. I've oh, had I'm sorry. Two I miss, yeah, that's right. You've had two Foresters. I right now drive an 06 Forester that has about 235,000 miles on it. That's fantastic. I got an 09 sitting right outside right now that has a... Right around the same mark, I think two twenty. I now now we're advertising the other people, which we probably shouldn't do. But <laughs> in any case, to reset the trivia question so Taylor can knock it right down, Chris Snelling's first major league hit took place in Tropicana Field in his third major league game on May twenty eighth, two thousand eight. A ninth inning single off whom? Ooh, I don't I don't know. Oh. I thought it was his first home run. And the reason why I know his first home run is he only had one. He had like six, seven home runs over his career. He had a two home run game against Jared Weaver in 05, 06, I want to wow. say. Okay. And they noted who he his first home run was against. And okay. it was against Tanya Sturts. And the reason I remember that is I, I love the Tampa deal because Tampa was horrible. And I like the, the horribleness of it. So his first <laughs> home run was off Tanya Sturts. His first hit, I don't know. Just, it's 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 still against the Devil Rays. Take a wild guess. Any pitcher who may have been on the Devil Rays in that era. Uh, in 02? Yes. Oh, gosh. Uh, can we go to break so I can think about it? Let's do that. I will actually re- uh, I'll read the rest of the spiel I have here. He'd hit his first Major League home run the very next day, May 29th, in the fifth inning, a two-run home run, yes, off Tanyan Sturts. More Locked On Mariners and the answer to the trivia question coming up after this. You want to? Uh, do you want to think about it or look up the roster or just go? I'm spacing. I'm, I'm trying to remember. I'm really trying to remember who was on that team. So his first hit was not a home run. He was a single. Now back to Locked On Mariners and your host DC Lundberg. Okay. Welcome back to Locked On Mariners and Locked On Angels, ladies and gentlemen. This crossover featuring me, D.C. Lundberg, as the Locked On Mariners listeners will have just heard my announcer, Joey Martin, tell you that fact. Also here with Taylor Blake Ward, the host, of course, of Locked On Angels, a wonderful program, which I am uh, proud to be a, you know, a small part of. Yeah. Talking about, uh, you know, it's just kind of some random players from that we that we either grew up watching or have had personal experience with. I have had personal experience, ladies and gentlemen, with so few players. Taylor, obviously, way more because he's in the industry. I am not. 
the answer to the trivia question, uh, Taylor, one final guess before I uh, let everybody know what the answer is. I just, for some reason, I feel like Chris Snelling's first hit was a home run. And I feel like it, I know it was against Tanya Sturt. So yeah. I'm trying to think. It, it uh, shoots, man. Was it uh, Victor Zambrano? Oh, shoot. No, I'm sorry. I was hoping you'd get this right. It's not Victor Zambrano. Is it Tanyan Sturtz? No, actually, it's not. Ah, oh, man. Uh, I'm bummed. I-, I should know this. I don't know if you should know this or not. This is really obscure. It's Ryan Roop. Oh, no way. I'd have never <laughs> guess that. that. Never see, in my life. See, don't feel bad about missing that one. No, that one I would have never guessed. (laughs) Ryan Roop gave up Chris Snelling's first major league hit. We talked about Mr. Snelling. We talked about uh, Mr. Marrero. Anybody else, uh, Taylor, that uh, springs to mind? Actually, do you have any memories of Joe McEwing playing? Because we talked about him a little bit. I don't, man. I I really don't. I I wrote down six names. I literally wrote down six names of total obscurity. Um, Let's go through those. Well, I talked to Jeremy Reed today. Oh, really? And, yeah, well, he was on a Zoom call with uh, the Angels Media. And we oh, talked yeah, to yeah. Jeremy Reed, and I was thinking, I'm like, Jeremy Reed was former Mariner. Like, that's a guy, you know, he was a top prospect that was kind of fun for a little while. More defense than anything, but, mm-hmm. you know, he's the hitting coach for the Angels now. So I was thinking about him. Oh, I was right. thinking about, um, I was thinking about Rafael Soriano, who was pitching the night that uh, I got the Chris Snelling signed baseball. Ooh. Um, I've got a few names, and uh, I, the catcher that night is actually Ryan Christensen. I have a huge, long spiel that I wrote out about Ryan Christensen. <laughs> so, Go whoever you want to pick, man. Uh, let's talk about Jeremy Reed a little bit first, because I remember him very distinctly as a Mariner. I believe he came over from the White Sox in the same deal that netted the Mariners' Mike Morse, in That's which the Mariners gave up. Great question. Yeah, or I, a great note. Uh, they gave up Freddie Garcia and Ben Davis in that deal when they were really out of it. Uh, let's see. Traded by the Chicago White Sox with Mike Morse and Miguel Olivo to the Seattle Mariners for Ben Davis and Freddie Garcia. My memory did not fail me. And then the Mariners traded him away in December of 2008 as part of a three-team trade. Follow along with me, gang. Oh, my Mar- gosh. I'm looking at it now. It's, it's a mess. The Mariners traded Reed, Sean Green... And J.J. puts to the New York Mets. Uh, the Mariners sent Luis Valbuena, who I don't think ever pitched at the Major League level, to the Indians. The Mets sent Mike Carp, Ezekiel Carrera, Andy Chavez, Michael Cleto, Aaron Heilman, and Jason Vargas to the Mariners. And, and the, the Mets. <laughs> yes. And My the goodness. In- the Mets the, sent Joe Smith to the Indians. Yep. Who ended up I mean a lot of really talented names. That first trade is a lot of talent, but this trade is unique. And then uh yes, it Cleveland is. Yep. sent Frankie. Frankie boy, Frankie Gutierrez. Fan favorite Fra- Franklin Gutierrez. Fan favorite holder of the major league record for most chances in a season in center field without an error. I love I mean I love Frankie Gutierrez same as everybody else, man. He, he was so much fun to watch. It is a shame he couldn't. Uh, we've talked talked about this on the show before. It is yeah. a shame that he could not stay healthy with it the injury really problems is. and the. I, it was a, it was a, maybe a stomach virus or something like that, an illness where he could only play three or four times a week. He could. He had the potential, injuries and illness aside, to to be a star. Oh yeah. Oh, I mean, he was a five tool player. He Absolutely. was so special. Yeah. And, Speed, defense power contact he had the works man he could have been so good when he played center field 
the way he would go after balls reminded me of Devon White because they're much faster than they appear because they took such long strides and they just kind of loped after the ball, but they would get there in an instant. Yeah, no, Frankie Gutierrez was just one of those guys you wish could have stayed healthy because this could have been, uh, I mean, call me crazy, but I feel like he could have been Andrew Jones, you know? You know what? Similar type, maybe with a little bit of higher batting average and not as much home run power, but I see where you're going with that for sure. Yeah. No, yes. I, I love Frankie. Yeah, um, he- no, go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say, who have you got next? I was going to toss it to you. Uh, well, I, I mentioned uh, Rafael Soriano. I mentioned right. uh, Jeremy Reed. Um, Chad Qualls was a guy I got assigned baseball from when I was Ooh. a kid. I don't know if you remember Chad Qualls. I do. I do. He had a pretty long career. He pitched uh, 14 years in the big leagues. He was a good pitcher, man. He was a, he was a really nice guy. And um, we were in San Diego and, and these local – it was Hughes with Houston at the time. I think it was the year they went to the World Series with Houston. That would be 2005, and, uh, I want to say. I want to say that's right. He was a young guy, and um, the some jerk was hazing him, and my mom was trying to explain to me that you know that's part of it, and I'm, I like said something out loud. I was like, "Shut up, man! They're just ball players." You know, I was like being a oh, dumb wow. kid, and yeah. uh, this kid wanted to fight me. I was oh. let's see, 2005. I was 13, 14. Actually, that ball game was kind of fun. We, I had a my orthodontist was in Tijuana. Oh yeah, and my mouth was just killing me that day. Oh, no. uh, we came across the border, and my mom's like, "Screw it, we're going to Petco. Like, I'm gonna make this a good day for you. <laughs> we're gonna have fun today." And uh, so we sat next to the Astros bullpen, and you know, this guy's hazing the the Astros and all this stuff. And I'm like, "Shut up, you idiot!" And all this, and I don't care about the Astros. You know, I, I was actually there to cheer for the Padres, and mm-hmm. um, and Chad Qualls kind of smirked at me and smiled. And after the game, Chad Qualls kind of stuck <laughs> around. He's like, "Hey, kid," and he threw a baseball to me and it was signed and i was like hey thanks man and wow. i was looking I, you know i have no idea who the hell chad qualls is but you know from that day i was a big chad qualls fan so yeah no and um you know i i wrote down Corey hart billy butler um mm-hmm. for very odd reasons very obscure um both have to do with the high desert mavericks which is was a it was a minor league team in uh, southern california here that folded just a few years ago and uh billy butler there's there was a sandwich or a burger that we made it was a mm-hmm. four stack burger with <laughs> chili, guac, bacon, just all kinds of disgusting. And you had to eat it with a four. I mean, it was, but it's what Billy would go before games and go and grab from from the concession stand. Nice. He would eat it before games. This thing destroyed you. I mean, it literally destroyed you. And Billy Butler only retired, what, two years ago, if even? A few years ago. I was going to say, yeah, that's why he must have been at full time DH. Yes, very much so. He was a he was a thunderous boy. I think thunderous is a very good way to describe his body type. <laughs> He's listed as six foot and two sixty. I'm that very, might be friendly. That might be well. I'm I'm happy to hear that because I'm about six foot two thirty, and I thought That's I fun. was large. No, you're not. It's uh, <laughs> well. Speaking of large, the other guy, Corey Hart. Oh, he was um, a big dude, but tall. Six 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 two thirty. Yeah. He had a he had a good career. Corey Hart was a really good ball player for the Brewers. He did have a very good career with the Brewers. Spent uh, one year with the Mariners, which was not so auspicious, but there were a few years in Milwaukee where he was very, very good. He made two all-star teams. Yeah, no, very talented guy. The thing with Corey Hart is um, another concession stand story oh, is yeah? he would go up there and chat up this girl. He was, like, madly in love <laughs> with this girl, and he ended up marrying her. Oh, really? 
he married a concession stand girl from High Desert Mavericks. That is super and cool. To my knowledge, they're still married. I mean, I you know I never got to meet Corey, but yeah, I mean, just the most random deal there. I just wanted to share those two stories. I think they're just two very interesting stories about it, and um, I don't know, you know, just I found it exciting. Yeah. Yeah, that's that. That is a really neat story. Going up to a concession stand when you're a ball player, I don't think there's. A, I don't. Are there a lot of players who do that to go get concessions before a game? Or eh, I think it used to happen more than it does now. I think. Uh, okay. I think they've told a lot of staff. Um, hey, you get caught sleeping with the ball players, you're out of here. And uh, you know, Ooh. I'm not knocking on Corey or, or his wife because it right. worked out. You know, and I'm oh, yeah. beyond happy that it did, but. I can imagine there's a lot of stories where it didn't work out, you know, and uh, <laughs> yes. not a knock on the, the lovely ladies that work in sessions at ballparks or whatever they work in ballparks and not a knock on the 20 year old kids that are coming through the minor leagues. You know, it's uh, in a sense, sadly, it's human nature in a way, I guess. Um, yeah. But, you know, props to Corey Hart, man, and props to his wife. I don't know her name, but, you know, I, I love that story. It is a it is a really neat story. And uh and uh, and nothing, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I just I just I've got. I, I told you I'd be incoherent tonight, ladies and gentlemen. It's all good. I've got one more for you, and I don't know if you have interest in it. Ryan Christensen. Do you remember him? I remember him coming up through the system. He never made the major leagues, but I, I do know the name, and I remember him. I think he peaked at AAA, but I could be wrong. Yeah, so he was on that first game with with Chris Nelly that I was mentioning. He was catching, and. Yes. Uh, he was a catching prospect. He was a first round pick in '99. I, I kind of did some research here. Oh, he yeah. was supposed to. He, he was a big deal because he was playing in San Bernardino and he went to school in Riverside, which is really. I mean, it's a depending on traffic, you could get there in five ten minutes. Mm-hmm. So he was a local kid. He was 20 years old. Um, this rock star prospect, first rounder. Um, that year, though, it, it was interesting because he never made the majors. Right. That's correct. So that 99 draft, I was looking up the Angels. The Angels gave up their first-round pick, the 17th overall pick, because they signed somebody. Could you imagine? I'm, I'm sure you could figure out who it is. 99, could you figure out who the Angels signed that made them lose that first-round pick? Oh, my gosh. Uh, <laughs> this See, I feel like you because this is something that, yeah, I need to know this because I was 14 in 1999, and this was when I was really paying attention to all 30 teams. I could basically tell you the starting rotations for all thirty teams. So who was the first? Who was the first base DH for the Angels in the early two thousands? Oh, Mo Vaughn. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was quick. So yeah, yeah. No, Mo Vaughn and uh, the Red Sox ended up taking um, Rick Asadorian. Es- 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 Ooh. And uh, yeah, no, that's the point. He ended up being a two way guy. He made a Triple A for fifteen games in the Rangers organization. Mm-hmm. Ended up with Cincinnati in 05. They made him a two way in 06. That lasted a couple years. His final years was with the Dodgers and Double A, but uh, based purely on stats, he was a better pitcher. He was drafted as a hitter. Um, but the Angels' second round pick in '99, you want to take a wild guess at who it is? Angels' second round pick. pick yeah, no, no first, no first round pick, but their second round pick, I think, worked out just fine. This is probably way off. Is Game it Adam seven. Kennedy? No, Adam Kennedy was a trade for the Angels. Oh, okay. My first thought was David Eckstein, but he was also a trade. He was as well. No, this was a homegrown kid who ended up uh homegrown kid who had a pretty important uh part of that O two run. That's kinda when I started checking out. Um oh my gosh, it's the big pitcher, the the big tough pitcher whose name I can't recall. Yeah, John Lackey. That's it. Yep, thank you. 
Yeah, no, I very... can see him saying this game is mine, and I could not come up with his name. Oh, he he was a monster. He was, oh, yeah. he was uh, Max Scherzer before Max Scherzer. He was as intense as they came back then. He really was. Um, the Mariners, though, they didn't have a second round pick, and can you figure out why ninety nine? They signed someone very obscure, pretty good B- ball player. Was it Butch Husky? It was Jose Mesa. Oh. Yeah, well, it, you know what? It, you know what? It didn't work <laughs> out for the Giants, who got the pick anyways, because they drafted J.T. Thomas, who right. made a Triple A for all of three innings. Oh no! So the Mariners no. did have a, a nice third round pick that year, though. Who? I'll tell you, this guy. I didn't realize he was drafted in '99 because he played until two years ago. He wasn't like a. He wasn't really all that great, sadly, for long, but it was uh, Willie Bloomquist. Oh, yeah, Willie Boom Boom. Yeah. Yeah, you got him in the third round in 99. 99. Can you believe Willie Bloomquist was a 99 draftee? Actually, I can because I remember when he debuted. Also, I'll, t- I'll tell yeah, a no, couple quick. Willie Bloom- yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah. I'll tell a couple quick Willie Bloomquist stories. In 2002, I want to say yes because he made his major league debut later that year. He was in spring training and hit close to 400 all of spring training. And there was talk: is this young kid going to make the major league team? And he was one of the final cuts, and he didn't he make was, it. But he was a September call up. Was Matt Tuisosopo that same time? I think he might have been a few years later, just a couple of years later. Because they were and, both really big prospects. Yes, they were. And I, I have a Tuiasa Sopo story also, after I tell my second Willie Bloomquist story. When he was on the <laughs> Royals and Jason Kendall was on the Royals, the two of them got together and said, hey, after our careers are over, let's make a two-man bobsled team and try to make the Winter Olympics. Yes. <laughs> That's awesome. They never did it. I don't know if they tried, but th- but they never made it. Although Willie Bloomquist did just recently retire. Who knows? Maybe 2020 in Beijing. My Matt yeah, Tuiasa Sopo, I hope they do, That'd be was so- I happened to be at, a, at an Arby's in the Northgate area in Seattle, and I paid with a card, and I, I, I signed the, the paper, and I, and I made the offhand comment, save that, that'll be worth something someday. Which is, you know, <laughs> of course was BS. And the lady behind the counter said, when Matt Tuiasa Sopa was just in here, he had just been drafted. He signed his name and he had and he signed his name with a number five at the end because he was so used to signing autographs that way. That's funny. and he signed and he signed a, a, a fast food receipt that way. I know that's a really weird out there. Who gives no, a damn story? But no, it's cool, man. <laughs> that's the whole point of that's the whole point of when you and I chat is is just random crap like that it's so cool you, you know what matt's doing right now though right uh i think i'm I, I wound up later working at that same arby's a few years later um i don't remember what he's doing no he's a manager for the brave single a team oh that's right yeah he's he's in the minors managing now i'm gonna see i'm gonna pull up uh let me see rome braves can it do they have a roster available see if matt's wearing number five he was 27 with the Mariners. I don't think he ever wore five in the major leagues. That was his college number uh, with I, the University of Washington. Marquez Tuiasosopo is his brother, former NFL quarterback, I believe, with the Raiders. Yes. Yeah, he was actually uh, he was interesting. He he had just a chance at having a career. Yeah, uh, as a as a quarterback. I mean, I know he played for a while, but he had a chance to be a a fairly decent quarterback. I th- he was primarily what a, a second and third stringer from from what I remember. I think he got a few spot starts. I don't I'm think he was to, ever a long term starter. I think he was fighting against. Um, there was a kid out of uh, 
Auburn or I think Auburn. There was a kid that came up that was supposed to be the star quarterback that ended up being a total bust. Uh, Jermichael something, if I'm remembering right. Oh, Jamarcus. Um, yes. Oh, um, I, I. Why can't I remember his last name? Is it Green? No. Jamarcus, Jamarcus Russell. Yes, Jamarcus Russell. I think he was fighting with Jamarcus Russell near the end there, and they went with Russell and to uh, to his sopo went and I don't know what happened with him. Um, but Matt does Jets. Matt does wear uh, number twenty seven for the Braves ah, as a manager. Right. Yeah. yeah. Jason Hernandez and I have talked about this. I don't know about on the air, but Matt Tuyasa Sopo was Mike Blower's called home run. Look into that if you don't know what I'm talking about. I'm sure the Mariners called fans know home. what I'm talking I'm, I'm going to look into that. Absolutely. Right. I will. Actually, I'm going to talk to Jason here in 15 minutes. Ah, so you can ask him about it because Jason enjoys this also. We're yeah. in about 35 minutes right now, so I think we have to... Probably got to pull the plug, huh? <laughs> I think we got to pull the plug, unfortunately. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to this Angels Locked on Angels Mariners crossover episode. Uh, Taylor, anything you want to say before I wrap things up? No, man. I, I just love doing these shows with you. I, I We've done – this is like our third, fourth show where we just kind of just chat about <laughs> whoever and, and whatever. I love doing these shows. And um, to uh, the Locked on Mariners uh, listeners, thanks for bearing with my stories, and I hope you enjoyed them. To the Locked on Angels listeners – Get used to it. I think we're going to do these kind of things once a week. <laughs> I, I really do. I mean, we're, we're going to bring on a new host and just bring things on. But DC and I, Ooh. I think you and I just work together well with this. So uh, if you want to follow us on Twitter, we are at Lockdown Angels. I am at Taylor Blake Ward. I will not be with you. This show is going to go up on Monday. We are recording on Friday. This show is going to go up on Monday. I will not be back with you until Thursday on opening day. Uh, I have a, a vacation scheduled that was scheduled months in advance. Um, so I will not be with you, but it was really pleasure bringing you Lockdown Angels today and Lockdown Mariners. It's great being back on. And uh, you know, this is how I usually close out my shows. So I'm going to close out Lockdown Angels and, and DC. Go ahead and close out Lockdown Mariners. But uh, for Lockdown Angels, I'm Taylor Blake Ward reminding you to dot your I's, cross your T's, and stay nasty, Anaheim. Thank you very much. And next time on Locked On Mariners, gang, I will be joined by guest panelists Mimi Bobek, Junior Gorg, and a license plate. You will definitely not want to miss that one, so please download, rate, and subscribe to Locked On Mariners and Locked On Angels on Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, or whichever podcasting app that your brain head can think of. Follow me on Twitter at DC underscore Lundberg. Lundberg. Follow Taylor on Twitter at Taylor Blake Ward. Follow, th- uh, follow these two programs on Twitter at Locked On Angels and at LO underscore Mariners. I, this is my Saturday show. We will be back next week as the regular season inches closer and closer. Opening night in Houston is a mere week away. Have a great weekend, ladies and gentlemen. This is Joey Martin saying join us back here next time for another edition of Locked On Mariners, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Ask your smart device to play Locked On MLB upon the conclusion of this program.